I want to encourage us as well, before we get into um, what I want to share, is also just to encourage us as a church that a little while ago, um, it's quite a while ago now, um, we really did feel, Jane and I, we were praying in the Lord, we really felt in our hearts that uh, our Sunday meetings, just so you all know, our Sunday meetings are not net time. Our Sunday meetings focus is not to catch fish, just so you know. Our Sunday meetings are not seeker-sensitive time. Our Sunday meetings are about the presence of the Lord. It's about family getting together. It's about us being built up, strengthened, and encouraged in the Lord. It's about encountering Jesus. And I make no excuse for that because we're family, and we're together, and we're all one. Amen. And if uh, somebody new comes in here and sits down, whatever, and, then, and kind of is a little bit uh, kind of overwhelmed by the presence of the Lord, good. Because that's what we're about. We're about the presence of the Lord overwhelming you. And if anybody wants to make excuse about the presence of the Lord and people, oh, you're not going to get people saved with the presence of the Lord and this and that and the other, then you're in the wrong place. You're certainly not in the right church. Because the reality is for me is the presence of the Lord, if we're going to make an excuse about the presence of the Lord, we've lost the plot completely. So we love the presence of the Lord. We love to spend time with the presence of the Lord. We love to encounter uh, Him and just be together and celebrate Him. And yes, we give it time. And yes, we make no apology for that either. But the reality is, friends, if this is not the net time, then when is the net time? And how many know that uh, uh, shepherds don't beget sheep? Sheep beget sheep. And the net time is actually when you leave this place and from Sunday to Sunday, that's the net time. That's the time when you encounter people. That's the time when you walk in the park. That's the time when you're going shopping, when you're in the malls, when you're in your business place, when your sphere of influence is affecting and, 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 and impacting people's lives. That's the net time. That's when now you begin to minister Christ, begin to impact people, and you begin to bring them into your life, get them into come and visit you, or come have supper, or get, have a coffee with them, or meet with them, business guys, uh, meeting with them, and connecting with them, and then when they come in here, they feel already at home. It's not about us trying to make people feel at home. They already feel at home because they've connected with us as the family of God. Amen? So I want to encourage you. You can look around and go, there's a few empty seats. You can look around and say, hey, what happened to the sides? We're it, tag. We're the net. Every single day of our lives, we're ministering the life of the presence of God. We bring them in to this family that God's beginning to move and do amazing things. Amen? I believe it's the greatest time to be alive right now. You know what, it's probably one of the most challenging things if you're not saved, and if you are saved and you're playing games with God, it's probably a very challenging time for you, and I'll tell you why, because your props are falling off. Everything that held you up, and God loves that. He loves that we get down to the nitty gritty and the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is we fell in love with a person, not with what he can do for us, not with all his blessings, not with all this wonderful thing, not because we fell in love with a club. Do you know my challenges, um, ever since I did, I did a funeral uh, a couple of months ago at uh, Pirates Club, um, and listening to the testimonies and talking to the people there, it was, a, it was a, a, quite a popular guy at the club. He seemed to spend a lot of time at the club. And, um, and uh, he was very popular, and a lot of people were beginning to speak. And some of those guys, their father was at Pirates, and uh, they've been there their whole life at the club. They love the club. They love 
being there, love the people, love connecting together, just love the atmosphere, love how people help one another at the club. In my heart, I thought, wow, I wish they were talking about the church. But we're more than a club. Just a nice thing, we go and watch sport on a Sunday morning at some club, friends. We're a family. We carry the presence of the Lord. We carry something that they desperately desire. In fact, if you were at that funeral, you would just cried because it was just a, it was a heart-wrenching uh, to try and do a funeral for somebody you know is not going to heaven. But my heart's cry for the church as well is that, you know, to hear that people just spend, my father's father was here, and I've been here, and I just, I love, because this is like family. What draws, what attracts, what seats us together? You see, they got something in common, sport. Friends, we shouldn't be gathered together because we've got something in common. We should be gathered together because we've been transformed, because we're family. I don't have everything in common with my family, just so you know. They're all musical. <laughs> so there's been some days where I've sat there and thought, you know what, I'm not that musical. Then I'm going to go find a non-musical family. <laughs> I've never thought that. I'm not connected to them. I'm connected to them not because of their, their musical and I'm musical, but I'm connected to them because I've got the same name. I've got the same DNA. I've got the same father. <laughs> That's not what I'm going to preach. <laughs> but what I, I just want to encourage us with is that we're living in interesting times, difficult times, but interesting times. I feel like all the props in the church, as they're disappearing, it's, you're left with really the reality of, is this serious? Am I serious? Is this about Jesus or is it about something else? Am I chasing after other things and I'm not chasing after him? Have, let me, before I get there, let me just, um, something came across uh, my uh, path, desk, um, in the last couple of days. I just wanted to quickly share it. And it's, um, for those of you who might not know, it's a prevailing uh, worldview at the moment. And obviously a lot of the worldviews come out of America, so it's, it is American. But, um, you know, there was a decision made, the Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy in uh, the uh, legal case of Planned Parenthood versus Casey in 1992. It's all good word. Planned Parenthood, if you don't know, is they, they are really one of the main instigators in terms of uh, the abortions that are going on in America. But um, in, their, in the legal case between Planned Parenthood uh, versus Casey, um, the Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy said this in his judgment. He said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe and of the mystery of human life. At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe and of the mystery of human life. Friends, and what we see in, in that today is why there is abortion. 
at the heart of liberty, at the heart of freedom, is a choice where man begins to define for himself. And I want to encourage you that we sit here today in this building. We sit here today as a church. We gather around the word of God because we categorically do not have that worldview. We have a God view. And a God view is that we come to the word of God because he is truth. And he is a supreme truth. And he exists outside of between your and my ears. Amen. We have to realize and have the reality this morning that no matter what we think, at the end of the day, before there was anything that existed, there was God. And if it starts with him, friends, it ends with him. And if before we can have all man's wisdom and understanding, we have to realize that he was at the beginning. In uh, Psalm 14, verse 1, it says, A fool says, there is no God. You see, and at the basis of that, friends, is us now making up our own minds, having our own opinion, our own definition of why we are here, our existence about the universe, hilariously, about the universe. When in actual fact, friends, there is a God. In Exodus 3, it says, um, I mean, Moses was saying, who must I say sent me? And he says, say, I am. Hebrews 1, 1 to 3, you can go and study these scriptures where God says that he created everything and he holds everything together. And then maybe let me read you uh, Ephesians 3. Before, just before we start, I always, we can always carry on next week. The word of God doesn't change from week to week. It's the same if I take long don't worry, still there. Um, but Ephesians 3, I love uh, Ephesians 3. For this reason I, Paul, a prisoner for Jesus Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ. Isn't it wonderful that God, by revelation, gives uh, understanding to Paul, he writes it down, and then by reading, we perceive and get insight into the mystery of Christ. So as we read the word, we get, mis- we get uh, insight into the mystery of Christ. We get insight into what the meaning of life, of existence, of the universe, of human life, what it all means. We get it from reading this, friends. So we cannot and dare not just allow our own opinions, friends, and our own thinking between our ears to define what life is all about. So when we come and we read the word, friends, when we come and read the word, we are coming to discover and find out what the author was trying to communicate the true meaning to us, friends. We are not trying to create our own meaning. Right. You might have spent a long time now this morning, but I want to encourage you this before I even share anything else. I want you to know that when we come to the Word of God, friends, we are coming to discover what God is declaring, friends. We are not creating our own thinking. Amen. We're not just making up our own stuff, whatever and that. And friends, you can take whatever you, any scripture, whatever you want, you can bend it to make sure that it lines up with your opinion or your meaning. But I'm saying this morning we've got to make sure that we as the people of God Uh, are listening to what God has to say. Reality is not just an echo of our own subjective preferences.
See, to truly be free, we must subject ourselves to objective reality outside of ourselves. His name is Jesus. Amen. I wanted to uh, talk a little bit this morning about uh, delighting yourself in the Lord. Because I feel like um, there's a key thing that's been shifted here in, in, in the church worldwide, and, and it's, it's got to get shifted back if we're really to, go, to do what God's called us to do. And it's this simple understanding. If you, um, if you uh, in, in, in simple truth, uh, understand it like this, there's cause and there's effect. Um, God is the creator of heaven and earth. God is, he's, he's, he's created us, he's designed, he's defined, he's, uh, he's established who I am and uh, when I stand in my, in my weakness and frailty and, and understand who he is and get a revelation of who he is, I can uh, do nothing else except worship him, right? I worship him for who he is because I love him for, for all of, of who he is. And as I love him and I give my life to him and I worship him for all he is, friends, there are benefits that flow out of that, friends. Healing, deliverance, uh, prosperity, blessing, um, this, the goodness of God all flows, right? But what happens is over time, they kind of get smudged into one another. And so what happens is eventually people in the life of the church now come to worship to get the benefits. They worship to get. They're not worshiping anymore for who he is. They're worshiping to get. So Jesus, the amazing host, the amazing uh, banqueting uh, host who's setting up this huge table, this huge banqueting uh, 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 house of his goodness and of his love and of, and, and, and of lavishness and of everything of who he is because that's how much God loves us. He establishes this huge table of enjoyment and of delight and, and of everything that's good and that's beautiful. And, uh, and he invites all, everyone, all, anybody, everybody, come in and eat and feast, friends, which is the gospel in its simplicity. Everybody is invited to come and to nourish and, and, and be blessed. And, and people come into his banqueting house, friends, and they sit down and they begin to nourish and they begin to eat from his table. But as they begin to nourish and eat from his table and enjoy and, 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 and have so much fun with all that he is, they forget that there's a host. They forget the one who actually displayed and gave all of that freely. And God's wanting to remind us again that it is about him and we all need to delight ourselves in him. Because I want to encourage you and take this truth and, uh, and, uh, that's, and I really do believe the Lord is, imp really, I'm going to finish my book. And it's going to come out before the end of the year. And it starts in the garden. And Adam and Eve were in the garden, and God created Adam and Eve, and it was beautiful, and they were having fellowship, and they were loving being together with God, and walking with God, and enjoying Him, and they were, they were eating from the banqueting table and all the delights. And how many know that they weren't doing anything? They were just enjoying and delighting themselves in God. And that's what we were created first and foremost to do, is delight ourselves in God. And as we're delighting ourselves in God, he was just blessing them, friends. And it took the enemy to come. It took a snake. It took the, the devil to come 
and to whisper into their hearts and to try and rob them of the nature and the character of God and to begin to doubt who he was. Did God really say? And actually know, he knows that if you eat of this, then you're gonna become like him, knowing good and evil. Did he really say, no, he's trying to withhold something from you. Not only is he trying to hold something from you, you need to do something. You can grab it for yourself. You can, you can, you can do it. Friend, that's rooted in everything from then onwards until Jesus Christ comes and he restores everything back, friends, and we have to go back to the beginning, friends. We have to go to the word and we have to find out what is truth, not what we believe or what we think is truth or our opinion. The reality, friends, is that they delighted themselves in the Lord. They were totally consumed with him and who he was and everything, they were blessed. Everything was flowing and it was beautiful and it was wonderful. The minute they challenged whether God was withholding something, the minute they thought they had to do something, the minute they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, friends, things suddenly changed and suddenly life became a formula. Life came, became about doing something. Life became that this and this must happen in order for that to happen. Suddenly, they were delighting in the Lord, but for. And I want to encourage you here today, and I'll drop this out and we'll probably come back to it again. When you take a scripture like, seek first the kingdom of God and the rest shall be added unto you. That's a scripture straight from Eden. That's a scripture of the heart. That's a scripture that's declaring and speaking over you and I this morning and saying, when you seek him, when you find your love, your fullness in him, the rest gets taken care of. God says, when you position your heart right, son, I'll take care of all the rest. I don't want you to have to, to worry about the rest. I want you to Make a right priority. But most of the church, friends, and the difficulties and the challenges that we face today, friends, is still trying to stress and strive and sort things out and do a whole bunch of stuff and continues to eat from the wrong tree. Instead of delighting themselves, because I don't have the time to just sit there and delight myself, there's things that need to be done. When he's asking us, what's your heart preference? See, heart matters are about preference. I'm jumping around a little bit, but let me give you some scriptures this morning just to make this a legal preach. Psalm 37, verse 4. It's one of my most favorite scriptures in the Bible. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Philippians 4 verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Psalm 32 verse 11, be glad in the Lord. Psalm 16 verse 11, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Psalm 16, verse 5, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. Psalm 42, verse 2, as the deer panteth for flowing streams, 
so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm 143, verse six, I stretch out my hand to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Romans 5.11, we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice in God. We rejoice in God. We rejoice in the Lord. Friends, I want to encourage us today that we dare not lose this very important, the very subtle uh, understanding that's the whole foundation of the Word of God, the whole foundation of why you and I were, are alive, why we were created. We were made in his image. We were made to be his sons and daughters. We were made to rejoice in him. We were made to be fulfilled in him. We were made to be satisfied in him. Ask yourself the question today. What satisfies you? What fills you when you come to church? Because I say this very carefully, but I'm, 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 and I'm, I'm talking to the converted, so I'm not talking to you, but I'm talking, if it's gonna go out, let's let it go out. In 23 years of ministry, I've never had one person leave this church because of the presence of the Lord. I've already got tired of the same excuses over and over again that, hey, listen, when you come to, to 24-7, yo, you get the presence of the Lord. It's powerful. I just, I, it's wonderful. I, I, praise and worship, the preaching and everything. It's just powerful. The presence of the Lord. God's just here. It's all wonderful, whatever. But you guys don't really have a good children's ministry. You don't really do a, a prison ministry. You don't really effective out there evangelizing or doing to the poor or whatever it is. A whole bunch of different. Come on, church. Man, we're about the presence of the Lord. <laughs> That's what we're here. That's what we live for. That's what we're created for. That's what it's all about. It's all about His presence. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about His presence. It's about enlightening ourselves in Him. It's about He's my total everything. And my whole life is about Him, friends. Why do I come to church? For me to get satisfied, for me to, no, to delight in Him, to love Him, to actually express my delight and my love to others. First and foremost, the very first uh, law, friends, is that love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Every single time it's love the Lord your, your God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength. The first thing He says is heart. Every time it's heart, friends. Because the heart is not a doing organ. The heart is a preference organ, friends. Make me your preference, your delight. Make me your everything. Seek first me and the rest. When you get that priority right, I'll take care of the rest. Do I dare to believe that, friends? Do I dare to believe when I delight in him, when I give him my everything, when he's all my fullness, that he will take care of the rest? See, friends, I'd rather die then believe a lie. And by God says, that's the truth, friends. That's the Bible, friends. Not what's between my ears or what I'm trying to conceive or perceive or, or some conception that I've made up, friends. That's the Bible. He says, delight in me when you find, friends, you're in a difficult situation. When you find, friends, that you've got a situation that's completely in the natural far gone. When you find out, friends, that the water's been poured over the offering, it's been poured over the wood, it's been a huge uh, moat has been built around it, and they've poured water all around it, friends. And now you're gonna say, now, now I light that fire. Friends, 450 uh, prophets, friends, burst their fuffy valves, trying to get that fire to light on a dry fire, and dry wood, and, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a dry offering, friends. Friends. 
And Elijah comes and says, in the natural, there's no ways this is gonna happen. And they had 450 and there's just me. But I love that God is not about the natural. I love that God is a supernatural God. I love that he loves to display his splendor and his might when we find blessing and contentment and favor and goodness in him and him alone. Amen, I'm not interested in somebody else taking the credit, I'm interested in him taking the credit. Friends, when I'm beyond myself and nobody else can take the credit, it's the best place to be. That's why getting out the boat and standing on the water, friends, is where God moves. Otherwise, he would have hopped a ride in the boat in the first place. Why did he come walking on the water in the first place? Oh, because he loves to show off. No, friends, he loves to be out there, friends. He loves to be out there where it's beyond the natural. It's beyond man's ability, friends. And then he just calls fire down from heaven and it consumes everything, including the 12 stones, which are representative of the church. Because nothing stands before the Lord. Friends, the church has got to rise and stand in that place in these last days. Nothing stands before him. Nothing, friends. Everything must bow to the name of Jesus. And if it won't bow, it will bow one day. I'd rather be the person that bows, friends. And if he has to take all the props, friends, in my life as to why I'm actually a Christian, why I gave my life to the Lord, because of, so that life would be good, so that I can haunt, so that I could have a, a nice mate, so that we could talk about stuff, so that a good club, so that I could be uh, in the limelight, so I could stand here and preach on the pulpit. God forbid. I'll smile. I'm happy because I'm challenged. I'm challenged because I live in a situation, I live at times, friends, where it's him or him alone. I love that he wants us to be consumed in who he is. Oh, that we love him. Oh, should I? Friends, the essence of loving is not doing. The essence of loving is delighting ourselves in him. Uh, you might say, John 14, 15, oh, hold on a minute. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you look at that scripture and you understand it correctly, friends, he is not saying, loving me is keeping my commandments. He's actually distinguishing between the two. If you do the one, you'll do the other. They're not the same. If you love me, you will do. But doing is not loving me. One is root and one is fruit. You see, he's interested in our hearts, friends. He wants to position our hearts. The heart prefers, and then we do. Oh. Um, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. And uh, there's many scriptures, but John 17, verse 3, you, we should all know this. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. So we ask ourselves the question this morning, what is eternal life? Why is it so desirable? It's not just that, that it's eternal. 
but it's that we get to know and enjoy an infin infinitely satisfying person. <laughs> How many know that Christianity is not a philosophy? It's actually not theology. Christianity is actually about a person. And Jesus said, I came so that I could bring you back to a person. And eternal life isn't actually that we're gonna live forever, that sure, I missed the flames. Eternal life is about knowing the person. And I get the opportunity right now to get to know him before I even get there so that he actually knows me. And he doesn't stand there and say, uh, sorry, depart from me, I don't know you. But he used to stand there and say, awesome, grant law, the good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your salvation. Woo, thank you, Lord, high five. Not sorry, I'm looking for Jesus. Where, where, who, where? Oh, are you Jesus? Hi. <laughs> Come on. And, and just before it gets too difficult, I'm just, I'll just quickly, let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 11, and I'll try and land this fast and run out the building. No, Hebrews 11. Let me just quickly, Hebrews chapter 11, I just want to share this quickly. It's so beautiful. I love oh, Hebrews 11, uh, verse 5 just blows my mind, and nobody really wants to preach on it, but I, I would love to preach on it one day. Um, Hebrews 11 is, we don't read it enough, it's, just, it's about faith. And it's all about faith. Because you can't see him, you've got to believe, right? And it's just something that hit me this last week, whatever, as we were just trusting God, and, and, uh, and I was just saying, Lord, it would be so nice if we could just all just like, if we just get that, that brilliant job. And um, where we just earn, you know, like half a million rand, and um, and uh, and it's just great, and it's flexi hours, no. <laughs> and and um, we got this big bank account, and it's all well, everything's all lack, whatever. I don't have to worry about stuff, whatever, and that. And then I just, I just felt like the scriptures kept hitting me, and the just shall live by faith, and the just shall live by faith. And I thought, do I even know what it means to live by faith? That every day living by faith, what does that look like, church? Am I saying that we should be struggling every single day? No, I'm just saying that we should live by faith. And if I'm in abundance, I want to put myself back into faith. So I think abundance can't be about me. Abundance must be about a river. Abundance can't be about me building an empire. Abundance, I think we kept God as soon as we make it about an empire. Abundance is about a river flowing, right? Because I live by faith all the time. That's why I have question marks about guys in the... In, Church life, guys who lead churches, who become multimillionaires, whatever, and, that, and they, they're living now in some kind of other reality when I think the kingdom says they just live by faith. Friends, not faith for another Rolls Royce or faith for another car. I'm talking about faith in our daily living of what we live for. And this is the, this is the story about the, the record of faith. I, I wanna read these stories, and friends, if you've got a story, make sure it fits into this story. Amen. So I love this story, because this is a wonderful story in verse five, where it says, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Love that. It's just a radical story about Enoch. He's just, he's out there, and he's full of faith, and he's just walking with the Lord, and he pleased God so much, whatever, and that, that he just decided, well, he keeps going. 
Will Johnson shares a story about a little child that he heard talk about, and he said, no, no, they were out, they were having so much fun, Enoch and God, that one day God said to him, listen, we're closer to my home than we are to your home, let's go to my home. I just love that, it's in the Bible, friends, it's not some fancy little fairy story, this is in the Bible. Somebody had so much faith, was walking with God, he was talking, was, was waiting, they, they just lost where they were, woo, hold on, where are we here now, this doesn't look familiar. In fact, if he was walking so much with God, Enoch, it probably was familiar. We are by your house. We're very close to your house. Hey, we've, we've left folks down there. Should, should we? Nah. Stay. Then, then it's, and it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Boom, faith. Two aspects. The first one, friends, you get no brownie points for. Even the devil be- believes that God exists. But you must believe that he exists. But the second one, you must believe that he's a rewarder of those who seek him. What does it mean in essence, friends? What it means, we should have a confidence in his nature and his character. It's impossible to please God without faith. But if we're gonna draw near to him, friends, we must believe that he is. We must believe that God exists. We must also believe and have such confidence in his nature and his character. Where did Adam and Eve fall down? They lost confidence in his nature and his character. God's restored us back to that place, friends, where we have such confidence in his nature and his character. He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, for the sake of time this morning, I, haven't got, I, can't, uh, I want to unpack a whole lot more. But I want to encourage you, friends, that this is something that kind of makes a lot of the church people very uncomfortable. And that's why I used that illustration at the very beginning. Don't make what you think between your ears as the truth. Make this the truth. Amen? Don't create an opinion or establish an opinion. Go and find the opinion in the Bible. The understanding here is God is a rewarder. And it makes people uncomfortable because they really feel, or they feel like, you know, I want to do everything out of love. I want to do everything out of compassion. Of course we do. Motivation of the heart is very important, friends. That's why when you read 1 Corinthians 13, it starts off before it tells you what love is. It just tells you if you don't have love, you can do a whole bunch of stuff, great stuff, amazing stuff. You can literally do everything, friends, and it counts zippo zero unless you have love, right? So of course the motivation of our heart is, is love. But we cannot deny in the Bible that God is a rewarder. For those who seek him, friends, Can we understand we have such confidence in the nature and the character of God? If I spend my time seeking Him, loving Him, He's delighting in Him, He comes my everything, He's my truth, He's my desire, He's my satisfaction, I find everything in Him, friends. Do not think that I can have confidence in the nature and the character of God, that He will reward me. Come on. He is a rewarder, friends. We've got beautiful stories. Uh, um, David is my favorite in the Bible. Uh, a quick story, 1 Samuel 17. David, he's uh, uh, minding his sheep. The father comes and says to him, listen, you must go and take your brothers some chow and some food and that because they're out there uh, with all the Israel army, whatever, they're gonna fight the Philistines. It's the story of David and Goliath. And uh, so you know, they've gotta go. So he quickly pops across to Kentucky Fried Chicken, get some chicken and a nice uh, Coca-Cola. Although you can't get it from Kentucky. No, you can't. <laughs> And so let's not go there. And, and so off he goes, and he's so excited, and he goes there, and guess what? Philistine army comes out, Goliath comes out, beats his chest, and he does his thing, friends, and the whole Israel, Israelite army goes, ah, and the whole army runs. 
And David's coming up, and what the heck's going on? What's happening? And they said, oh, no, that big guy there, he's, whoo, he's a huge, but if you fight him, you know what you're going to get? You're going to get a whole pile of wealth. And guess what? You're also going to have the king's daughter in marriage. She must have been a prize. Amen. Just so you know. And you're going to get the king's daughter. And guess what? You're never going to have to pay tax again, ever. And it's, oh, it's such a lovely story. And David goes, whoo, not for me. Bling, bling, I love you, Jesus. David goes, what? what? Um, so, sorry. What, sorry, come here. What, 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 what do you get for killing that guy? Number two. Oh, you get a whole lot of riches. You get the king's daughter in marriage and no taxes. Oh, wow. And then along comes a brother and he goes, hey, what are you doing here, booty? And what have you? Yeah, you arrogant little so-and-so. I know why you're here. You should be in the sheep, whatever. Let me just give you. Whenever. <laughs> You've always got brethren. They want to come and tell you. There's such arrogance. Oh, Friends. David turns from the voices and says, number three, just tell me again, what do you get? Because he knew God is a rewarder. He said, come here, uncircumcised Philistine. Did he do it for the reward or he did it because he knows God? He was just making sure what the reward was. <laughs> Come on. Let's not get lost in understanding here. As we sit and we eat, have eaten so much from the tree of the knowledge and good and evil, Jesus Christ has come and he's become our wisdom. We still wanna go and try and find out and get wisdom of how we can do this thing. We still wanna sit there and try and work things out and make connections and make phone calls, whatever, and, that, and I need to sort out this job and I need to sort out that, I need to do that and, and uh, I, I don't have time for the Lord right now. But I'll be back, Lord. <laughs> and God is saying, do you not think I am a rewarder, those who seek me? When you get your priorities right, I take care of the rest, he knows all the rest, friends, what's he talking about, all the rest that we, he knows we, sh we need to take care of. God wants to increase, friends. He wants to bless. Whether we like it or not, he wants to prosper. And if it's a horrible word, go back to the word of God and just wrestle with it and then find out it's in there and it's truth. He does want to increase us, friends. But you cap him the minute you make it about your empire, when you make it about him and increase about the flow and the advancement of the kingdom, he wants to increase, friends. He wants to advance us. Can I share this categorically this morning so you all understand? Every single one of us have been given faith. <coughs> we've been given favor. And we've been given gifts. We've been given other things as well, authority. But we've been given those three things. But God wants to increase. He wants to increase your faith. He wants to increase your favor. Whether you believe it or not, some people come and they go, but Grant, I don't have any faith. And then it's difficult because do I believe you or do I believe the word? And the word says you were given a measure of faith. 
Every person was given a measure of faith. So then I say, well, you were given it. Maybe you dropped it. Go find it. Every single one of you and I have got, a, have got faith. God wants to increase our faith. We've got favor. The Bible says that Jesus grew in stature and favor. He wants us to increase in favor. He wants our gifts to increase. Isn't it a fascinating story, Matthew 25, about the, the parable of the talents? How many know the parable of the talents? And the master came and he gave one, five, gave one, two, gave one, one. He said, now, go for it. The one that was five, took it, invested, did it wisely, was a good steward of the five, and he made another five, he made ten. The master said, well done. The one that had two, invested it, did well, managed it well, whatever, and he got another two, so he got four. And the one that got one said, no, I knew you to be a bit of a <laughs> tough nut. So I hit it. Yeah, you can have it back. And we know the story there's severe punishment. You know what I find fascinating with that story? I'll go here. Is that he took the one and he gave it to the one who had Ten. In the world that we live in today, we'll take some of the 10 and give it to the one. And then we can promote, in our schooling, what do we promote? Laziness, complacency, average. Everybody must get the same. Doesn't matter that this guy did this and this and this, you all get the same because we love you all. You all get to play in the team, everybody. It doesn't matter, we've got 17 reserves. You all get to play. You guys don't even have left feet or right feet. You just, but come, everyone plays. It's the truth. It's the word. God took the one and he gave it to the guy who had 10. Why? Because he was faithful. Friends, how do you get increase? You must use what God has given you and be a good steward, Right? You must know that God is a rewarder. Amen? Uh, let me share the story and I just land a little bit this morning. Do you know that I've always, I don't know how many of you have read Job from the beginning to the end. I've always wondered why Job was in the Bible, to be honest. It's one of those books, you just read it and you go, oh my God, please have mercy. <laughs> why is this in the Bible? Please help. There's a scripture in Job. I'm going to read it. In Job 22, verse 24, it says, If you lay gold in the dust, the Almighty will be your gold. Then you will delight yourself in the Almighty and lift up your face to God. When you lay gold in the dust, then the Almighty becomes your gold. Then you will delight yourself in the Lord. Job's an interesting story. What happens in the beginning of Job? The story there is that the enemy comes to, to God and begins to chat to him and say, listen, check your, your servant Job. God goes, yeah, what a man. And he goes, you know, he's only doing that because you are protecting him. He says, no, he loves me. Don't know. No, he's doing it because you're not. So the enemy comes in, 
We know the story. Incredible havoc. A lot of destruction. Kids takes. God says, look at Job standing strong. He says, no, it's because you've blessed him. He's got all, you know, no. It's a story about a man who found his delight in God alone. And he refused when everything else was happening to just curse God and die. And actually God comes against, that scripture there is read by the three friends that are coming against Job. And, and if you read that scripture, that is a powerful truth that's being declared. But the way they were using it, they were saying, because Job, you are going through all this stuff and all this is happening, you must be doing something wrong. You must be arrogant. You must be something because all of this stuff's happening to you. <laughs> the reason why you're actually not getting blessed in your business is let me have a look. Are you crooking the books? Are you not paying that, buddy? What's happening there? There's something, you're doing something wrong. Sounds like an older brother to me. It doesn't sound like Jesus. Friends, the whole book of Job is about finding our gold in God and delighting ourselves in Him and Him alone. And God is restored back to Him way more than He ever had. The Bible says you will give up fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, things in this life. And I'll give it back to you in this life a hundredfold with persecutions, just in case you didn't realize that we live in this world and persecutions do come and storms do come, friends. But he's in our boat and we want him to stand up or we're gonna stand up and allow him to declare and speak to the storm and say, be still. Amen. So my encouragement this morning, part one, that's about as far as I've got. Part one, friends, is simply this understanding. First and foremost, as the people of God, we've got to find our delight in God and God alone. And only you know that. See, you can fool me, you can fool others, but you cannot fool God. Is he our everything? Is he my delight? Is he my satisfaction? Is he, is he my all? How do I love the Lord? with all my heart and soul and mind and strength. Is he my everything, friends? Because when he is my everything, I know he takes care of everything. I know I have such a confidence and a trust that no matter what, I will just continue to love him because I have such a confidence in his character and his nature because he's a rewarder of those who seek him. So you might be facing difficulties and challenges today. You might be going to the word of God. You might be saying, listen, I desperately need answers from God and I wanna find out this, that, and the other. And you may be sitting at the banqueting table and you're worshiping him because you need him to do something or because you need something to happen, friends. I wanna encourage you today just to make a subtle shift. I say, I, oh, my delight is in you, Lord. You are my strength. You are my life. You are my everything. I just wanna delight I'm gonna spend my time just loving, worshiping, honoring you. And friends, that means outworked in our lives, by the way. And can I say that everything in our lives speaks to us about who he is so we know how to delight in him, friends. People, situations, circumstances, they constantly speak about the goodness and the grace of God and who he is. Nature speaks about God so I can worship him, friends. That's why Romans chapter one talks about nobody will have any excuse. Nature and everything is speaking and declaring that somebody made this most amazing, wonderful universe. 
That's why it's such arrogance of man when he says, I should have the freedom to actually make up my mind, my own mind about the meaning of the universe. That's the arrogance of man. That's what the arrogance of, of a, a law and a, of a worldview that's permeating the world today. We have to fill out forms, friends, where you've got 10 different boxes of what your gender is. very confusing it's not confusing when we surrender to him amen when our life is in him friends delighting yourself in the lord i really want to unpack a whole lot more on that but just if we can this morning just grab hold of that say lord maybe shall we stand let's just pray Friends, he gave a banqueting table because he does want us to feast. He's not a God who sets it up, whatever, and, and then, you know, he gets you all dressed and then doesn't take you dancing. That's not what I'm talking about this morning. I'm talking about a God who wants to lavish us with his goodness and wants us to feast at his table. But friends, it comes out of a delight in him. Everything must flow out of a delight in him. Friends, love flows out of a delight in him. As a church, our mission statement is love lived out. Friends, you cannot live out love if you have not fallen in love. And so I wanna pray for us today. My encouragement to you as I was reading this is, is actually this is the answer to every single one of our situations and circumstances. Whatever you're facing out there, if you're facing financial challenges, you don't know, uh, how you're going to meet the bills, or, how, or if you haven't got a job, you've got a job, but it's finances are slow or not coming in, uh, or you've got a, a circumstance, a situation where it's just huge. And friends, the answer is delighting yourself in the Lord. It sounds completely foreign, <laughs> but it's truth. And I'm asking that you take whatever is running around between the ears and you bow. I'm asking this morning that we have humility enough to surrender our own thinking and thoughts and patterns. Maybe you've been trying to make things happen. You're a little bit exhausted. Maybe you're getting a little bit frustrated or maybe you're getting a little nervous, a little worried. Maybe you're stressing a bit. I want to pray and I want to break that off you this morning and I want to say, oh, find your delight in the Lord. Seek first the kingdom, his righteousness and the rest, friends, will be added. It follows, it's added, friends. God knows you need those things. So Father, I want to pray for us as a church this morning, every single person here, they didn't come here by accident. They came here, Father, purposefully because you wanted to deposit a truth in their hearts. You wanted to deposit the word. And I want to encourage you here today that the enemy has not got you on his personal list. But I'll tell you right now, you will be attacked for the word's sake. And what you just heard here today is an incredibly hidden secret that the enemy has tried to cover up for years. 
He's trying to make you strive and stress and come to church to find out this and to do that and what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? What am I not doing? What am I am doing? What am I, uh, what's missing? What's, what's to be added? What's, and the answer to all of that is Jesus. <laughs> Jesus says, I gave my yes. What I'm asking you is to give your amen. What I'm asking you is not just believe in me, but to believe in who I am. That by my very nature and my character and who I am, I am a rewarder of those who would seek me. So Father, I pray that we would have a subtle shift today, begin to delight ourselves in you. Begin to find you as our all-satisfying God, that you are our all-satisfying, all-consuming delight and joy. There's nothing else that can satisfy us like you can, Lord. And then every day as we wake up, Lord God, we just say, Lord, come. I want to walk with you. I want to delight in you. I want to live in step with you. I want to hear what you're saying, what you're doing. I want to celebrate you. I want to allow you to fill my life. I want to allow you to display your splendor through my life. And as I'm living for the kingdom, seeking first the kingdom, I thank you that you're taking care of the rest. Thank you that you're taking care of my finances. You're taking care of my family. You're taking care of that situation, that contract, that circumstance, that boss, that uh, uh, challenge, that legal thing, the, the SARS, the whatever it is. So I want us to end by singing that song, but I want to just pray, Father, that this we wouldn't just gloss over this too quickly, Lord. I know I've said a lot of things trying to say the same thing, but I pray that this will be a deposit, a huge deposit in every one of our hearts, Lord God. This is what we're living for, what we dream about. This is what 24-7's heart is about. It's about delighting in you, Lord God. It's making you our Father, our family, you're a father. You delight to give your children and bless your children and give them good gifts and to love them. So Father, help us today, Lord God, that we would not put our focus on the benefits, but we put our focus on you and who you are. And we let you take care of the benefits in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. May you do that by the power of your Holy Spirit this morning in every single one of our hearts and lives.